Welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, where we delve into the depths of what it means to be a man in today's world, and we explore the real-life challenges and triumphs that you and I face every single day. My name is Hector Santi Esteban, and I come with no answers, only questions for some of the most wise, insightful, and grounded men that I know. So get settled in. You're listening to Modern Masculinity. Fellas, I hope you are well. I hope this episode finds you well. This is the third time we were trying to record this episode, well, at least the intro for this. And I'm realizing that that's life sometimes, that life does not always go as planned. It's not exactly as you want it to be. And what I've realized recently is that in that gap between what we want it to be and what it actually is, therein lies our growth. Therein lies the chessboard, the battlefield, the game, the the playing field, if you will. And today, that's it's kind of relevant to what we talk about today. And today's episode is with David Arell, and he's a leadership and executive coach. And I brought him on because he works with men to help them kind of get out of their way, especially when it comes to their business. But what I've found is that business success, right? Unlocking that next level of business or unlocking that next phase of business or the level where all of a sudden you're able to have a successful business, a tight-knit family, a thriving relationship. That comes from not being singularly focused, but being able to roll with the punches, being able to have space, to have range, to allow for space. And so I think it's really fitting that it took us this long to get this intro. Hopefully you didn't know any different, but it was a long time getting here. And I'm so excited for you to finally get a chance to hear this conversation. This is David Arell. David, welcome to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, man. How are you? Great. Thanks, Hector. Looking forward to... Jumping in uh, in a full cannonball here into the deep end of the pool. So thanks for inviting me on the show. I look forward to it. Well, I appreciate that because usually I'm the one that leads with that. I'm in, we call it a band and it's a group of four guys we meet every couple of weeks. And I remember the first time we got together, we were all introducing ourselves. I kind of shared something that everyone was like, whoa, okay. Well, like I, (laughs) their thing was like, I appreciate that because I didn't know how long it would take us to get that deep. But I was always the kid that ran in and yes, cannonballed into the deep end because that was the quickest and easiest way to jump in. But We always start these episodes with having the guests share something that's real or present for them, a challenge, a struggle that you're kind of going through as a man, a husband, a a dad, a partner. What's real for you right now? Yeah, that's a great lead in, Hector. Thank you. I have two kids. They're six and four now. And I think for me, and this is something I see with a lot of the guys I work with too, is just this challenge of we're sort of blazing our own trail these days of what does it mean? to be healthy masculine? What does it mean to be a great dad, a great partner, a great parent, and also stay really true to ourselves as we understand ourselves to be while allowing plenty of room to sort of like play jazz and improvise there as real world circumstances come up. Like for example, one of the things I struggle with quite a bit is trying to find that optimal presence Like with my kids, we're getting ready for school in the morning and I want to be present and connected with them 
and there's a bell that's going to ring in seven minutes. And thankfully we live right out behind the school and like, we got to get going and trying to, okay, let's go. Like, how do you turn up the heat or turn up the pressure when you're trying to organize your family or your kids or your employees or whoever, the people that you're responsible for being in a leadership position for while also remaining connected, empathetic, compassionate, and not overriding their own sense of agency and autonomy. So there's not a space that you get to that has that balance. It's sort of a teeter-totter where you're, in my experience, you know, you're sliding back and forth on a greased up teeter-totter trying to not fall over on either end and get the kids out the door and everybody's happy and you're not late. So <laughs> to this morning, that was, again, one of the tricks and challenges in front of me. Oh, yeah, I hear it. And I'm the one getting the kids out the door too. And I've had to give myself some grace recently because there are mornings when I am more emotionally available. I have more presence. There are times where I feel, and I don't want to be insensitive to the people who actually deal with this. I don't know another word to describe it, but I feel, and I imagine my kids would think I look colloquially schizophrenic, right? In the sense that I'm upset and raising my voice or being stern. And then three minutes later, we're all hugging. It's just this, you mentioned a seesaw and kind of staying in the balance. I'm on the end. I'm going like all the way over and over. So what's, <laughs> is that what it's also like for you? Or if it's not, <laughs> what's the way to stay in the middle there? Well, you know, Hector, I think that question is different if the seesaw is being aggravated pre-coffee or post-coffee. <laughs> Always. There's days I'm up before both kids and I can have a little bit of time to myself to get a cup of coffee going, sort of sit down, you know, rub my eyes, just have my own little moment of Zen and power up the laptop and just sort of scan the news to see if there's anything that's actually relevant to my life happening. And then one of them wakes up then the other and it's kind of ease into the day. And those are the days that things are a lot easier. And even when we have those rough patches, I find sticking with our seesaw metaphor, I'm sliding, but I'm not ricocheting from end to end. I'm just sort of leaning. I'm kind of going back and forth across that middle and there's even moments where I feel like I'm on a surfboard. Both feet are planted and the weight shifting, but I'm not actually sliding. And then there's other mornings where I wake up and I hear them already fighting. I literally haven't even put my glasses on. Thankfully, I have little recipes for making my day easier where I have the coffee maker program to go off. So whenever I get up, it's ready already. I wake up and it's just mayhem. And I'm already being pushed, essentially, sticking with this metaphor. Like I'm not even on the seesaw and I'm already being like pushed and pulled and the forces of chaos are surrounding me. So I can't even get on the seesaw, much less get a balance. <laughs> yeah. I've had to start waking up early. I tried to start at four. That was not sustainable because I would get up and then two or three days into it and landed on five o'clock. And only recently have I been able to slip out of bed without any of the kids waking up. They still make their way into our bed a lot of times. Yeah. Full disclosure, they do the exact same thing. They will both eventually end up in our bed at some point. So I want to kind of normalize that that's fine. It's cool. It's not sustainable forever, but they're little. It's very workable. The, yes. The challenge is trying to mission impossible your way <laughs> out of the bed without waking them because they've gotten a little better. They're three and four, but it used to be they would kind of move their arm and didn't feel me and they would wake up and, and freak out and run downstairs. And I'm like, it's okay. I'm just... And so things have gotten better, but I say all that because without those mornings, those are the mornings where I don't have that presence, right? Where I don't 
get up early and woken up by them. And, and so I think that that is a plight of a lot of us. To a couple of threads that you've pulled on here that I'd like to just pull on a little bit here, which is your recipes. Tell me what that is. And do you have a recipe book? Where can we learn about some of these recipes? No, I don't have those codified into book format yet, but that's a good idea. I think for recipes, I mean, just like little ways of my current self setting up my future self to have an easier day. One of which is before I go to bed, I get the coffee maker all set up and ready to go, knowing it's going to go off. If I'm up before the coffee maker, we got a lot of problems. <laughs> but so when I wake up, I can immediately smell coffee. And I, I know I just walk down there, I get a cup, and I'm not trying to get all of that process going there's a million little shortcuts. I got a little drop zone in the room at the end of the hallway where I keep my wallet and my earbuds and my sunglasses and my keys, like just little things to simplify routines to where I'm not having to each day remember where I put this or where I put that or add more struggle into it. And I find we live and learn. And for me, it's always about finding where are the glitch points and what can I do? Where can I take responsibility over this glitch point, even if my actual responsibility in it is minimal, how can I retake responsibility for how I show up at this glitch point to make it less likely to be glitchy? For example, my wife's a morning person. I'm a night person. We discovered that 9.30 at 10 o'clock at night or whenever after the kids go to bed, they're trying to have a meaningful conversation, whether it's planning out the weekend or we're having a bit of a disagreement about something. We just kind of want to work through it. Anything that's got a little bit of a stickiness, that's just not the time to have that. She's tired. She's really not in her best self. I'm not going to get that real interpersonal contribution that I want as a team for my partner and vice versa. She knows that in the morning, especially on a Saturday morning, we try to sleep in a little bit later and I've just sat down with my cup of coffee and she comes in with all these ideas for the day and I'm not interested and ready to have that conversation then. So we've kind of understood how to work with each other around these little things and just put a recipe or just a plan in place. It's okay to step in a pile of shit once or twice, but after that, it's like, that's on you. What are you doing? You know, it's there. Why are you walking right towards it? You got to take a different path. So that's kind of what I mean by recipes, all those little shortcuts we can do just to de-glitchify our lives or at least decrease the likelihood that we accidentally repeat these patterns that we start to notice. Right. And this patterns is kind of where I want to go. And let's dive deeper here because what's interesting is you look at it in a very practical sense. It's like you, you know, you step in some dog shit. Okay. You, you put something in place to make sure that you don't step in dog shit. Maybe it's a sign, maybe it's a real, I mean, there's something there, but I think at least personally, I've found myself getting stuck into these loops where here we are again, we're back in the same place. And before it was an unconscious kind of thing, but now it's a conscious well, damn, we're back here again. And it was like, you know, sometimes it's like, it was just yesterday, you know, where, <laughs> right, right. where we were here. Is that a process making that unsticky or looking at it objectively or removing yourself from that? Or, or how can someone start to untangle all of those things? I imagine that a lot of these come from blind spots, right? Yeah, there's a lot of blind spots. There's a lot of like what you're saying, there's a process of catching yourself earlier in the process. And to your point, you just mentioned like, oh, here we are again. Like that's a great improvement because a lot of people, they don't even recognize that they're so deep in it. It's just, they keep having that same fight and they think it's a different fight. They haven't seen, you know, we mentioned patterns earlier. They haven't seen that this is a pattern. It's just another event and they don't see how it is the same but different, you know? So recognizing the pattern when you're in it 
is definitely way better than not. And then recognizing that this pattern has a certain frequency or it tends to manifest, you know, for me and my wife, it's a, either a really early AM planning conversation or really late PM planning conversation that we don't do well there because one of us is not at their best. And so I think what my recommendation to myself is, and also to any of the listeners, the guys out there, is to kind of really see, and this is sort of like a standing recommendation for everything, whether it's in your company and your relationship with your kids, is like really see where you can take as much ownership as possible, not over the situation as a whole, but how you show up in that situation. So for me, in this instance of planning, having these conversations late at night, even if I'm like really annoyed about something and I want to talk about it, I know that overriding that compulsion or that feeling because I don't need a crystal ball to predict it's going to end poorly because it's 10 o'clock at night and she's tired, I'm tired, and it's just not a good thing. Or same in the mornings. I'm like, look, babe, we have a lot of things on deck here. Let me just get 10 minutes with my cup of coffee and I'll grab a quick shower and I will be 100% ready to have this conversation then. So owning where do we have responsibility in this moment, not for the moment, but in the moment, and then how can we modify either our thoughts, feelings, but more importantly, our behaviors so that we can show up with more capacity and awareness and less sort of reactivity and semi or unconscious energy that's coming into it that's polluting the system a little bit, you know? Expand on that, because I think that we could go deeper. And I thought that you articulated really well that it's not for the moment, it was in the moment. And I think when I get myself out of that is when I'm able to have some perspective or able to take myself out of that place, even energetically. So what do you mean by that for the moment or in the moment? I mentioned earlier briefly the idea of imagining you have two selves, like the current self and then your future self. And the future self could just be five minutes from now. Seinfeld has a whole funny bit about his current self loves to stay up late and eat cereal at two in the morning, but his tomorrow self has to wake up at 5 a.m. And that guy, he just has to deal with whatever the current self left him with. So he's just got to wake up at five o'clock no matter what and deal with all the nonsense. You know, same thing could be like, you know, if you're out at a party and you're thinking, should I have a few more drinks? And then you're thinking like, future self me is really not going to be happy to have to deal with the repercussions of current self me's actions. But even in the moment, I think that can be really helpful. My wife and I, we were going out to dinner on Saturday this past weekend and our daughter has been a little bit spicy with the babysitter, just a little defiant, just some behavior things that we want to address And we haven't really had a chance to talk about it just because of our schedules. And we were going out to a date and the babysitter was there. And as we're halfway there, my wife brings up, what do we want to do about our daughter? And I got literally like eight seconds into my sentence. And I was like, no, I know we have differences of opinion here. I know some of it is a little bit tricky given any number of variables. I want to go to this dinner that we were both excited about going to this, you know, we're in the DC area now. There's an awesome Spanish restaurant we've been looking forward to going to and eating all the things. It's a real dining experience. I realize that if we start this conversation now, we're really polluting the evening trajectory. I was able to forecast, how do I want to sit down at dinner in 30 minutes? Do I want to be happy and feeling loving and connected to my wife? Or do I still want to be simmering in this discussion about how we want to work with our daughter and our babysitter so that they can have an easier experience. And so I paused. I was like, hey, babe, I know this is an important topic and we definitely want to spend some time talking about it, but let's just put it off till tomorrow morning. We're going out to dinner. I know you mentioned you were really excited about this place. I'm excited about it too. Let's just stay in this vibe of really feeling into our mutual anticipation of dinner and just enjoy the evening. It's important. We'll definitely circle back to it, but just not right now. And she's like, oh yeah, good idea. 
And it wasn't like a thing, but if I hadn't caught myself, I know that we would have ended up having difference of opinion and debating the pros and cons and not gotten into like an argument argument, but it would not have been a pleasant feeling internally for me nor her to carry this dispute with us as like a cloud as we sit down to have a romantic dinner. And just being able to like, no, my future self in a half hour wants to have a warm, yummy dinner experience, not a sour, static tension experience. And so my current self was able to reroute the conversation, acknowledge her perspective and the importance of it. So not derail it, but just acknowledge it and suggest something that was more mutually beneficial. And thankfully she was like, yeah, good idea. Let's go with it. And we had a great dinner and we didn't have any of that stuff come up. Yeah. There's a lot of forethought, right? I really like the idea of what would my future self in 30 minutes or whatever. So what's your process for bringing those together? How do I move from this place to that place? Do you have practices, breathing or mantras, or how do you remain in that place? Let's perhaps say that you were the one that was maybe a little elevated and your wife said, hey, let's table this until another time. How might you navigate that situation if you're in that elevated or heightened experience? Yeah, that's a good question because sometimes it is the dynamic that comes up. I'm a little heated about something or I have a passionate perspective that I want to share. And it's not the time and place for her that she wants to engage in that. And our communication is, I would give our communication skills a B plus and it's definitely better. And we intentionally try to make it better so that we can stay more productive in our conversations, even when it is about heated topics. These are things we've had to learn. And a big part of it for me has always been slowing down, pausing, taking that deep breath you mentioned, and just asking myself, is this really what I want to do right now? Is this really the most important thing? Is this the right time and place? Is this the best circumstance? And what I've been able to do, 99 times out of 100, the answer is no. This isn't the ideal place. This isn't the best time and circumstance. But in order to sort of get buy-in from myself, what I found it helpful to do is to say, okay, but then suggest a follow-up conversation to happen. Not like mark it in your calendar, but like, well, okay, babe, you're right. But this is important to me. I do want to circle back to it soon. I do want to get some resolution on this thing that we're on different sides of. And we may just agree to disagree and that's fine, but I want to at least have the conversation and just process it and really hear your side of it in a place where we can both feel that we can express that and can be heard because we're not in the middle of the kids running around and the dog barking and the doorbell ringing and all that other stuff. So what works for me is to be able to say okay to myself, but then suggest a follow-up time that's loose. Well, maybe it's Thursday night, this isn't the right time, but you know, maybe Saturday morning before we get too far in the day, we can make a point to try to at least circle back to this and work through it one time. We don't need to get to a resolution, but just want to process it and sort of share my thoughts on it. And that's something we've discovered. It works for me and it also works for her. The same thing. She's like, look, Dave, I know this is important to you. Or she'll say, this is important to me, but I do see it's not the right time, but let's make a point to circle back to it. So being able to have that inner negotiation with myself to where I can not feel like I'm just clamping down or telling myself a hard no, or even worse, imagine that she's telling me no. It's just more of like, it's a reasonable request she's making. Even if I don't really see it, if she's just not in the right place for the conversation, then the conversation as a two-person dynamic isn't going to work if one person's not ready to have it. Let's just put a pin in it and put it on Saturday morning at some point. And that's something we've been able to work well with. That's been a good tool we can use reliably with each other to make sure we're allowing it to be voiced, checked, and then rescheduled where we both walk away feeling good from that. Yeah. 
It's a great system there. Dave, we haven't even really talked about what I would imagine you help dads with most, which is getting into fatherhood. You've got a show called Baby Talk, which is where you talk to dads who are getting into it, moms and dads, but really getting into this whole fatherhood thing. When we come back from break, I want to hear about your thoughts on new dads today, especially how that might be different than previous decades or generations. And then also for dads and for guys who are just waking up to it, I think that a lot of what you speak to is a mindset shift and a mental shift. We're going to talk about that when we come back from this quick break. Hey guys, today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a small group of genius makers whose mission is to get your mission and message out to more people. We've just found that a lot of people don't have the time or the tech skills to be able to do it. And so if you need help with any of that, go to amplifymedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y media.com. You can find all the info in the show notes. Now let's get back to today's episode. Hey, David, so your podcast is called Baby Talk, and you guys have done quite a few episodes talking to new parents coming into this whole parenting thing. I'd love to get your thoughts on new dads. What's important? What are dads typically missing? I think it's probably the biggest thing that we might start with. Like, What are the biggest things that you think that they need to get before they jump into this new jungle of being a dad? Yeah, great question, Hector. It's so prescient today with where we are as a culture, where we are in parenting, current US health system, all of that stuff is a very live question. So you mentioned Baby Talk. Uh, I think I just want to spend two minutes on the backstory there. Baby Talk is a show I produce with a co-host. Her name is Katie Demona. She's a lactation consultant by trade. And in that show, we share our perspectives on all things about pregnancy, childbirth, and then the postpartum of having a brand new baby at home. But for me, the Baby Talk is one of the fruits on the bigger tree of my welcome to fatherhood work, which is very much focused on helping today's guys navigate that pregnancy, childbirth, and then early fatherhood journey with a lot more skill that they feel really good about themselves, but also how to be a great partner and a great parent for when baby arrives. This is like a seven hour thing we could really jump into. But the shortest version for me that I see with the guys I work with is that so many of them, they know they're struggling, but they have no idea of what the nature of the struggle is. They know that they're sort of lost. They're just overwhelmed with all the demands being placed upon them. They still have their jobs for the guys who are working uh, even if it's work from home or work at an office, they still have responsibilities external to the house to manage. They have the relationship with their partner, which has radically changed over the past couple months. That's sort of new territory. They have a relationship with baby who at this point is eat, sleep, poop, repeat. There's not a lot of like deep intersubjectivity there with new babies. And all of that demands on them where they're expected to show up in all these ways that they don't know what that looks like and how to do it well. And experiencing the waves crashing over them of the culture, giving them mixed messages or no messages, their partners giving them mixed messages or no messages, and just not having any realistically helpful support systems. I think the first challenge for a lot of guys is just to realize that they're struggling and they need help. And for me, I'm a little bit on the older side for new dads, but for a lot of guys, they just haven't grown up where they've been encouraged to be vulnerable, encouraged to be empathetic, encouraged to ask for help when you need it. 
a lot of guys are growing up repressing your feelings, being told to, you know, toughen up and get back out on the field or just suck it up, especially for new dads. That's the message from the culture is like, well, you didn't have a baby. She did. You're not really struggling. She's struggling. You just need to show up. You just need to do better. I have experience in the entrepreneurial world as well. And I liken this to hiring a new employee, giving them no training, and then start yelling at them all day when they're just not doing the job right that they haven't been trained on. It's very unfair. Nobody would sign up for that job and nobody would intentionally try to be the boss of a job where that's what was happening with employees. But that is new dad life. There's just not really a lot of great help information and support out there. Yeah. Parenting as a whole is thankless. And so you can say being a mother is just as thankless as well. Oh yes, absolutely. But it doesn't take away from the feelings of whatever's on the other side of that. This is definitely not a personal coaching call, but at least personally, I feel giving to the other people where it's taking care of the house or the kids or whatever and giving and giving. And then what I find building in and happened a lot when it was a new dad was like this resentment. Yeah. Very common. Talk about it because you said it's very normal. I'm curious how that might come up for newer dads. Well, I mean, the resentment is, is super common. So in my work, I have a lot of goofy terms. I very happily advertise a certain sort of bro credit. I'm just a guy. I'm just living my life. I try to speak language like I'm doing a good job here, but I curse fairly frequently, minimally around my kids. But in my work professionally, I just sort of show up as me. I'm just a guy trying to make my way through the world and help other guys have an easier time. So, you know, pardon my silly terminology, but I feel a lot of guys, they vacillate. We mentioned that seesaw earlier. In the new fatherhood space, there's two ends of the seesaw. One is what I call wimpy town. And those are the guys that sort of just given up. They're like, well, yes, dear, sure, whatever you want, just tell me. I want to be helpful and supportive. If you want me to do this, I'll do it. You just let me know. And that doesn't work. Mama doesn't want a servant. She wants a partner. She doesn't want somebody she has to tell what to do. And those guys... They're just sort of weak and defeated. They've kind of given up on their agency, their autonomy, their sense of who they are, that deep core identity. And that sucks for everybody. But guys that go the other way end up what I call jerkville. And they're too deeply rooted in their autonomy. Like, I didn't have a baby. I'm going to go have a beer. And I know you're tired and whatever, but I am too. And I'm not just going to sit here with you because you're tired. That seems silly. So I'm out. I'm going to go meet my buddies or things like that. They're very defiant. They're turning away from mama. They're turning away from the responsibilities and the partnership. And so many of the guys I work with are like, yeah, David, but both. Like I got one foot in Wimpy Town and one foot in Jerkville and I'm equally annoyed and resentful and furious and defeated. And, and, I, and, and I was exhausted. raising my hand, by the way, David, not to, tell you, <laughs> not to tell you to stop. I was raising my hand to show that that's me, that I've got one foot in both. But carry on. You know, especially with our first pregnancy and subsequent childbirth and early parenthood, I was furious. I'm like, why isn't anybody telling me about this? This didn't take rocket science calculations to predict this is how this goes. Look at all these guys. Why is there not any help out there? And my own bad experiences there was my incentive to really dig into this and try to find better ways. What I suggest, and we're going to skip ahead real fast to sort of the prescription side of things to help all of us guys in this space is to number one, recognize that this is the battle that you're in. And short of those extremes is what I call your sacred individuality. That's like the true you that's underneath often pre-existing your relationship with your partner and your job. I like to play golf. I played golf forever. And I played golf before I met my wife. And God forbid we separate, oh, we will be playing golf afterwards. It's a core part of who I am. Listening to podcasts, I like learning stuff. So these are things that are truly me. So identify what some of these things are, but also, and this is where guys really struggle, is that there's this whole new side of things 
So this sacred individuality, I call the real you, but there's this whole new side of things I call the role you, which comes with the role of being a parent or partner. Like if you look at those words, they are all in relation to an invisible other person. You're a parent of a child. You're a partner to your wife or girlfriend or whoever. These are roles and these roles have responsibilities. Again, not responsibility for, but responsibility to. There's a distinction there we can delve into if you want to later. But the idea being is you understand that these role you responsibilities are radically increasing as you get through pregnancy and especially early fatherhood. Now it's exploded on the scene. And once you can understand like, oh, I'm in the struggle of trying to stay connected and grounded with one foot deep in the real me, my authentic self, my sacred individuality, but I want to be a great dad and I want to be a great parent and a great partner. So I want to make sure I have another foot equally planted in the role you all these responsibilities. I want to show up as a great parent. I want to show up as a great partner. I actually want to be helpful and supportive, but not to lose myself in the process. So finding ways to anchor into that real you, that sacred individuality allows you to be more present and show up with more energy, availability, and authenticity in these role you circumstances. So whether it's waking up at night to get baby or coming straight home from work to give your partner a break if you're working and she's at home, all these different things you can do. Then again, this is the meat of my work. So there's a million examples here. So I don't want to go off the deep end, but finding ways to make sure you're equally grounded in both of those selves, I think can be so powerful. It's such an antidote to sliding too far into jerkville because you lose that foot that's in the role responsibilities or sliding too far into wimpy town where you lose the other foot, that core foot of who you are as yourself. And that struggle, I feel, can be fairly easily modified to at least turn the volume down once you find a way to more deeply root into that sacred individuality and then can lean into those role selves with a little bit more energy and groundedness and a voluntary collaboration mindset versus sort of a forced cooperation mindset. Those are two very different things. So let's do talk about this responsibility two and responsibility four, because I said that I had one foot in each. And what was probably more accurate is I would be in Wimpsville or whatever you called it there. And then I would get so resentful that I'd hop over to the jerk side and then realize that, okay, this is not who I am either. And then I would hop back and not realizing that I probably needed to have my feet centered somewhere in between, somewhere in the center. Yeah, that's very common. It's very common to ricochet back and forth. What is this idea of responsibility two and four? Expand on that because I think that seems really helpful. Yeah, that's a good insight there on your part. It's a great question because I feel so many guys, when they're in the relationship with their partner, pregnancy, that's a big deal. That's like, oh, wow, we're real now. There's a sense of upgrade here. When your partner's pregnant, especially late pregnancy and immediately after childbirth, she needs a lot of help. And you're like, that's what I'm here for. I want to be a great partner. I want to be a great dad. I want to help you with whatever it is, you know, get you the ice cream and the pickles or carry the laundry or yeah, I'm here for it. And what happens with so many guys, I know this happened to me, is half the time our partners don't know what they want. They don't know what they want. They're unclear. They can't give you that, hey, if you do this, it'll make my life easier. Like, okay, great. And you do it. And now you're both happy. So they're unhappy and you're reading that emotional vibe. And now you're guessing as what you can do to help. What worked at 37 weeks of pregnancy isn't going to work at 39 weeks, and it's not going to work at two weeks postpartum. So you keep going back to the bank of like, oh, normally when she's like this and I do this, then she feels better, then I feel better, then we feel better. So you're really reading off of that emotional wavelength 
And you're really not often in a space of clear cognitive requests and answers and being responsible for yourselves. What happens is a lot of guys go all in on, I don't know what she wants. She doesn't know what she wants. So I'm going to focus on her emotional state and it's my job to make her feel better. And that's what responsible for looks like. And that is just a losing game, my friend. Putting yourself to be responsible for the emotions of somebody else, whether it's your kid, your partner, your boss, your coworkers, that's just a losing game. And sometimes it's strategically necessary. If your boss is really pissed, you need to find a way to not have them be very furious at you quickly so you don't get fired or written up or whatever that looks like. It's good to be mindful of that emotional space. But what's a lot more workable, especially as far as grounding in that sacred individuality, is understanding you want to be responsible to it, but not for it. So instead of responsible for, like, you know, we're going to just imagine an example, new baby, couple months out. So it's not brand new, new, but still very new. You've been out for a couple hours. You come home and your partner's really upset. She's sitting there on the couch with baby. She may not be actively crying, but she's pretty visible. You can tell there's a disturbance in the force. Your first inclination, if you're responsible for is like, oh, what's going on, babe? Are you okay? And you start thinking, what can I do to make you feel better? And it's like, oh, was I gone too long? Do you want me to make you a hot tea? And you start shotgunning all these different options, trying to feel like what's going to make her feel better. And that's not really helpful because even if you guess correctly this time, that doesn't do anything different for next time, which is a theme that you may have remembered from earlier in our conversation about like, let's not do the same thing again. So responsible to, you come home, you see them like, wow, you sit down next to her and you're like, oh, I see you're upset. Man, I know having a new baby's tough. Do you want to talk about it? And then she might say yes, she might say no. We'll just say she says no, not right now. And so you say, okay, well, I'm here for you. I'll check back in with you. I'm going to go out in the garage and unload the car. I'll be out there if you need me, but I'll circle back in a few minutes. I'm going to put some tea on. I want some tea too. And then if you feel like talking about it, we can talk about it. And then you walk away feeling clean, clear. You were present. You were empathetic. You were responsible to her, but you didn't get all shook up and feel like you need to now solve her problems. And for so many guys, the goal I'm shooting for is for you to be able to walk away from that emotionally challenging moment and feel like I did my part. I did a good job. I was true to me. I was empathetic, connected, compassionate with my partner, but I didn't make it my job to fix her, nor am I expecting her to fix me. It's a reciprocal deal here, her to fix me when I'm feeling upset. So is that a helpful explanation or example? Well, if by helpful, you mean, are you staring into my soul here? It's because that's it's probably <laughs> more like, because that's what it was, is that I was responsible for. And so much so that that's where that resentment, because I think she rightly so was not reciprocating that. And I'm like, well, why aren't you fixing me? I'm trying to fix you. Why aren't you fixing me? And I think what you highlighted is that I didn't see a path to remain in integrity with staying compassionate and empathetic. There's that whole empathy and sympathy thing. And I've always heard that you want to be empathetic, not sympathetic. And I think that there is merit there, but at least for me, that put me into the having to fix things mode. Because for me, when I'm in a place like that, I need to fix it. And I'm recently becoming more able to be in those weird, sticky, uncomfortable feelings. But previously to that, anytime anything uncomfortable would come up, my thing was how do I fix, divert, distract, anything but to fill that discomfort or pain or whatever that is. Yeah, you and uh, 99% of the other guys. <laughs> this is what I see all the time. It's how I went through it. It's what so many guys go through it. 
that's really where a big part of my inspiration and my work comes from is my Welcome to Fatherhood. I have a book out, which I'm sure you'll put in your show notes. It's called The Modern Man's Guide Through Pregnancy, Childbirth, and Fatherhood. And in there, what I try to do is give guys specific ways of thinking about things, but also very specific dad tips, as I call it, to separate them from relying on how mama feels in the moment equals how good of a job I'm doing. That's a bad train to get on. So what I want to do is like give you guys tools. If you do these couple things, you can feel good that you're showing up in a way that's responsible, respectful, and genuine. It may or may not land awesomely for your partner, but that's okay. You can't value yourself only through how she's feeling in the moment. Because again, that's just a perpetually losing game and you either get stuck in wimpy town because that's the rules of wimpy town, whatever she wants, so I do. Or you ricochet out to Jerkville and you're like, you know what? Good luck. I'm going to be out. Don't wait up. Where you've just physically removed yourself either energetically or physically or emotionally from that connection and just to protect your own integrity. And so my goal here is being able to maintain that connection deepen it, grow it. Because as you guys know, parenting is, you think being pregnant as a couple is hard, try parenting. It's a whole different level. And that strength of connection, the vitality of that connection, the depth of that connection, the warmth, the true energetic ebb and flow of that connection is 100% the most important thing you can do as parents to be a great team and to deepen that relationship going forward. So what I'm hoping for the guys is to empower them by rooting deeper in their sacred individuality, that real self, They'll be able to stay in that connection, ebb and flow as needed, but not be subjected to it or subject to it. And that if she's doing well, I'm doing well. If she's doing poorly, I'm doing poorly, but also not veer too far away with like, I'm doing great. She's having a hard time. I can't fix it. So I'm just going to go in the office, shut the door, put the game on and hope she doesn't come in. <laughs> That's the Jerkville 101 response there. So staying connected, present and available, but not overly so is what that dad zone thriving, as I call it. That's a big felt characteristic of dad zone thriving. Talk more about the book and what's in there and who it might be helpful for. I mean, might a dad who's already got a kids that are three and four, might they find some value out of something like that? So the book is specifically targeted for any guy who's on the pregnancy journey, ideally the earlier the better, because you can then have the handbook as you're getting into these trimesters, heading into childbirth, and then heading into postpartum. But the biggest chunk of the book, the last third is all about, okay, baby's now here. This is the real world. This is really what's going on. And a lot of that stuff, to the degree that guys haven't actually found their way through that sacred individuality, role, responsibilities, dynamic, and they haven't got to functional, much less healthy or optimal manifestation of that relationship. There's a lot of great stuff in there. And this is what Katie and I talk about on Baby Talk. A lot of what we do is essentially couples communication tools. Like I talk all about the love languages. That's a great tool. There's a lot of specific ways of tips. If you understand it this way versus that way, it's going to be a little bit easier for both you and your partner. So there's a lot of stuff in there I think is valuable for relationships if you guys aren't really vibing at what you feel is an optimal level, but it's really aimed at guys heading into fatherhood specifically, just because that's such a tumultuous journey. And so many guys, they step into a wormhole and they're standing there holding their new baby and they're like, shit, now what? Like, uh, and then the next couple of months are just mayhem and unpleasantness because they don't even know what the fight they're in, much less what to do about it. The book's aimed at getting them there and it can help them at any point along the way to really help them move up in their own way of being in the world out of the ditch or out of Jerkville or Wimpy Town or both and up into functional 
healthy, optimal ways of being as a partner, as a parent, but also themselves. Most importantly, if you're not connected to yourself in a meaningful, rich way, you are going to be ineffective in your roles also. Yeah. Such great insights here. And I got one more question for you, but I'd love for you to share where people can get connected and and go deeper if they want to with you. Sure. So the basic website is welcometofatherhood.com. I got a whole bunch of stuff on there, book, the podcast, coaching, blogs. I try to get a blog out every week that's impactful, that's relevant to what I'm hearing from the guys I'm working with. There's actually a video series coming out soon. It's all shot. I just got to go through and do some editing and get some cool cutaways and things like that. And then I also do coaching that's not aimed just at new dads and parenthood. It's executive coaching. That's over at catalystforchange.xyz. And again, there's coaching there. There's a blog, my entrepreneurial and consulting background work for people developing leadership more in a corporate culture and in their own lives, but not specifically for parenthood and partnership, which is what the Welcome to Fatherhood work is for. I love it. My last question for you, what does modern masculinity mean to you? So for me, Hector, a great question. Modern masculinity for me really comes down to being able to stay deeply rooted and connected to who you are as an individual cultivating your development as an individual. You're not the same person you were 20 years ago or 10 years ago. And so you should aspire to not be the same person in 10 years in the future, 20 years in the future. So really deepening your relationship to yourself and taking yourself seriously and having a healthy balance with all of the different roles and responsibilities that show up around you. Like for my sense masculinity always has a certain amount of agency, action, like you were saying earlier, like we fix stuff, we do stuff. So being an agent in the world, being a leader in your life, not of your life, you're not the boss of your family or the boss of your coworkers, but be a leader in your family, be a leader in your life and show up. There's a difference between like showing up for real versus present and sitting back down. So show up, take ownership over your life, your autonomy, your agency, and try to make a positive impact in all those little small ways that we can, whether it's picking up a cigarette butt on the ground or helping the old lady across the street or being present for an extra 30 second with your kid on the way out the door like I was this morning. So even though we were a little bit late, I felt better. My daughter felt better. Just being able to show up as your best self as often as you can in a way that's a positive impact on those around you. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Dave, this has been fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for sticking with us and being part of the Modern Masculinity Tribe. If you guys enjoyed today's conversation, leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast. I'd encourage you guys to go get connected with David. And if there is someone who needs this kind of support, maybe they're jumping into fatherhood or looking for some resources, send them this episode and let's grow the tribe together. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all. If iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. But if you're a man and you're alone or listening to this, then who sharpens you? What's going on, guys? Ted Faton here, host of the Modern Man Podcast, also founder of the Noble Knights Mastermind Group. And I'm just out here encouraging you to find your circle. Maybe you're on a personal growth journey and nobody around you understands the new mentality that you're possessing. That's okay. You can find an online community that will pour into you, will navigate your goals and navigate your obstacles, share their experiences, resources, and more. Join the Noble Knights Mastermind Group and try us out for free to tap into a community of men helping each other scale up and reach their goals. Check out themodernmanpodcast.com.